welcome to the Victorious Living Christian Counseling Podcast. My name is Crystal Ridlin, and I'm a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Indiana, and I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Missouri and in the state of Texas. Today's topic is actually going to be on loneliness. And the reason I've chosen this topic today is because it's something that actually has been on my mind and on my heart for the last let's say a year. In the last year, I have moved to two different states. First, I started in Missouri, and then um, that wasn't a long-term option for our family, and so therefore we ended up um, feeling God leading us to move to Texas. I say it was just a stop on the way to the promised land. The, the local Texans love that um, because there's a lot of Texas pride Um, Texas takes pride in their state, which has been really neat to observe, and we actually love it here. Um, But in the midst of all of this moving, you can imagine that I have experienced my own share of loneliness. And um, my family members have experienced a certain level of loneliness. Anytime you move to a new place and have to restart and, and transition into a new environment, there's a certain level of loneliness that comes with that. And um, there's very little familiarity. So everything you're having to relearn, you don't have see the regular people that you would see, say, at church or at the grocery store. Um, and so it does take some getting used to, and it comes with at least some level of loneliness. And um, so this is kind of why I've chosen this topic. So as I've been feeling, you know, loneliness a little more than normal due to our recent transition. Um, I started thinking about it recently in the last week or so, and I wondered how many people are feeling lonely. And so it led me to actually just talk to some of my clients about it. And so this past week, I've asked my clients as we've talked about different things, I've actually specifically asked them, do you ever feel lonely? And to my amazement, everyone admitted and agreed with the fact that they struggle with loneliness. And um, it's been interesting, too, because about 50, at least 50 percent of the time when I've asked the question, uh, my clients tear up because they're like, oh, we're going to talk about that. And they're not used to somebody directly asking them, are you lonely? And so it hit me that loneliness is such a real part of our lives. And it's a universal feeling that we all feel. And yet at church, it's not a topic we talk about often. In fact, I can't even remember the last time the topic of loneliness was discussed from the pulpit. And so that's why I decided to talk about loneliness on my podcast. Because um, here's what I know. Many of you listening to this podcast have really been struggling with loneliness. In fact, you may not even know that it's loneliness, but there is a sense of something missing inside of you or a sense of maybe an emptiness or a longing that you can't explain. And so what I wanna do today 
is normalize the topic of loneliness. Because here's what I found. As I stated outwardly with my voice to several trusted people that, hey, I felt lonely before. I've actually found the loneliness feeling that I was feeling dissipated because it's no longer something, it's a, we use this term in therapy a lot, it's, it's cathartic, meaning it's healing to get out of us these things that we think and feel inside, but we never verbalize them and give them an, a way to escape from inside of us where it resides in our soul, which creates a sort of what I explained, like a poison in our spirit. And when we can actually get it out into the open, say it out loud, then suddenly it's no longer so scary, especially when we find other people who experience it. So recently I've told you that my daughter had a, um, a medical emergency and she had a condition called MISC, which stands for multi-inflammatory syndrome in children. And it was a very, very, very scary, scary, frightening event in our life. In fact, my daughter's seeing a trauma therapist and as uh, soon as she's done, I'm gonna start seeing a trauma therapist. So it's left at least the two of us with a lot of stuff to work through. But here's what I found. Before I found a support group, I felt like nobody really understood. There were some people in my life who were compassionate and understanding and loving, but because they didn't really understand the scare that was involved in this particular condition, I felt a little lonely in it. I knew that even if, even if I was able to explain what it was, unless you've been through it, you can't really understand. The doctors understand because they see how sick these kids get. So um, I joined a support group on Facebook for kids with this condition. And it has been so helpful to me. And I have seen these other moms and dads agree that, hey, this support group is holding me up. And every time a new person joins the group and their kid's in the hospital and they're sick and they're scared, those of us who have gone through the process, who are at a less scary place, are able to encourage them, give them any kind of like encouragement, maybe some feedback to maybe ask the doctors about. But the, the thing is, we get it. We know the fear. And there's something comforting in that today. I was recently talking to somebody about who's recently been divorced and is having a hard time about the importance of going to a divorce group. And the person's like, I don't want to wallow in my pain. And I'm like, it's not about wallowing in your pain. It's about finding other people who are experiencing similar things. It's about connection. And it's about knowing that what you're thinking isn't so abnormal. That given the situation, your fears, your concerns, your sadness, your loneliness makes sense. Perfect sense. So I am always a proponent of finding a good support group because I believe that knowing 
that there are other people out there who've been in the same boat is comforting to us. And then it actually gives us a passion and a purpose for being able to reach out. So this is loneliness. It's a universal thing and it is a lack of meaningful connection. It's a, it's a sense of sadness due to a lack of meaningful connection. So question, what is the difference between loneliness and being alone? Think about that for a minute. The difference between loneliness and being alone. The difference is loneliness is actually, you can be lonely anywhere. I remember one time and we were attending a big church that was pretty cliquish and I just, nothing we could do. We just were not connecting. We weren't really making meaningful relationships. We felt like we were always on the outside. And on one particular Sunday, I was in this big foyer with thousands of people. And I looked at my husband and I said, I've never felt more lonely than I do right now. That has stuck with me for years because I had thousands of people around me. So I wasn't actually alone, but I felt so very alone. So loneliness is a state of mind. It's a, it's a feeling that we feel based off of the situation that we're in or the emotional state what we're in or whatever's going on in our life. There's a period where we're actually feeling lonely. Being alone is actually like right now, I'm in my office alone. I'm not sad. I'm not struggling emotionally. I don't feel this pit of emptiness or um, a void, but I'm in a room alone. And um, when I'm at my own house, I actually sometimes love it when the house is empty and my husband takes the kids out and the house is peaceful because I like that feeling of being alone sometimes. Now, full disclosure, I'm one of the weird moms where I like it for a few hours, but then I'm ready for everybody to come back. And as soon as they come back, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's the everyday loud noises um, that make up my life right now that I love. So loneliness and being alone are two different things. Now, the question is, what causes loneliness? What causes loneliness? Loneliness is, there's several things that I was able to just, there's all kinds of things that pull up, um, that bring up feelings of loneliness. But um, I could go on all day and never be able to, you know, pull out every single thing. And so I was thinking of a few. Well, first of all, is there is a natural loneliness that God has instilled inside of each one of his children. You may think, why would a loving God instill loneliness into each of his children? And I'm going to get into this more later, but the reason a loving God, our loving Father, instills inside of us a loneliness is, I believe, for multiple reasons. Most importantly, he wants us to know that he alone is the only one who can fulfill our needs and our wants and our desires. He's the only one who, complete us, who, who can complete us. So 
That's the first reason. And we'll get into that more later. The second reason is I believe God places in us a sense of loneliness because we're supposed to have meaningful meaningful connection with other believers. We're supposed to have healthy communication. There's so many scriptures on the importance of fellowship, fellowshipping with those who are in the church. And even like early on, you go into Genesis and God's creating the heavens and the earth and he creates the sky and he creates um, the seas. He creates all of these things. And then he creates Adam and he realized that Adam was alone. And so he created created Adam or Eve to be able to bring some fulfillingness to Adam through his wife. And so there's another reason why God allows loneliness is so that we can feel that there's a need to connect with other people. So he wants us to connect with him, most importantly, but he also puts inside of us a need for relationship. And that's to help us. Like I've been in a new place. And so I've been, my husband's like, yeah, you're probably feeling a little lonely because you don't have your sisters, meaning my friends, my, my girlfriends that I go and, and we go get coffee and we go to dinner and we just laugh. Sometimes we go to a movie and I don't have that group of people here yet. I've met a few people, but I'm still working on that. So there's a sense of loneliness because that is something that is something I cherish and that I hold dear. And that is fulfilling to me is to have a group of friends that I have a regular relationship with. So um, there's some other things that can leave us with loneliness that is going to be um, something that can actually be overcome and talked about and processed with, with like a counselor, a pastor, um, especially a counselor is going to be able to really help you like get to some root of some things. And so a few of those things I've come up with are voids from family of origin. This is one that I have had to struggle with in my life considerably because my mom was never emotionally safe. She was never emotionally available. And much of my childhood, she wasn't physically available. I was left home a lot. Um, and so this relationship void, this attachment is what we refer to it in psychology, is there's an attachment wound that occurred inside of my soul at a very young age. And my birth father also abandoned me um, physically. I only saw him a few times. And even as an adult, he continues to really not want to have a relationship with me. And I've come to realize that that's because of his brokenness. And it doesn't have anything to do with me. But as a child, I thought that it was something about me that was unlovable. And so that's something a counselor can help you process through. But here's the really cool thing is that God is so loving and he's been able to fulfill those needs in me in other healthy ways. Most importantly, he alone has been able to fulfill those needs and those voids that was left by my family. I always say that God became not only my earthly father, my mother, but he became my siblings 
He has become my friends. He's become all of these things to me when other things have been removed. And so that's something to process. If you have um, early attachments that were broken, that's really sad and that can leave a sense of loneliness. Um, let's say sometimes loneliness comes from having a spouse who is maybe not emotionally available, maybe not physically available. Maybe um, they are on a work trip. Maybe they are deported. There's all these reasons that this can happen. And so this is a natural thing. When my husband isn't around as much, I begin to miss him. God has instilled this desire in my heart to want to be with my husband. So a lot of times if I start, even like if he's around, but maybe we've been kind of distracted with everyday life, sometimes he or I will say, hey, let's go on a date. Let's just connect. Let's take some time away from the kids and go to dinner and go on a walk so that we can like reconnect and have meaningful conversation and connection. Um, other voids come from rejection. So say you are trying to get a job and it seems like every avenue you go, you get a rejection letter. That causes a root of loneliness, a root of sadness. Um, let's say that you're a teenager and parents, if you're listening, students, if you're listening, this is huge for kids. It is so in their nature to want to fit in, to be accepted among their peers. And kids are just mean. And it is so hard to find legit, good, solid friends. And so this is something I think as adults and as parents, we can just push under the rug like it's not that big of a deal. But listen to me, this is a huge deal for our kids. It's like, and I see this all the time as a counselor. By the time these kids are coming to me, they've had so much rejection from their peers, from the people at school, that it takes considerable therapy to help them to work through this. So never underestimate the rejection that comes from um, broken friendships or peers. And even like as adults, and this is one thing I tell my, my students often, like I would love to tell you that people grow up. And that they, they always become good friends. And then it's really easy as adults to find really good, solid friends. But I don't know about your situation, but I've actually found it to be harder to find friends as an adult. I don't know why that is. Um, but I think that it's because sometimes people don't actually grow up and they just repeat these same patterns. And so I've just learned to be more cautious about choosing friends. So um, that is a huge one to think about. And so as I was um, thinking about some verses that kind of go along with what we're talking about, Psalm 2710 says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. This is something that God has been using and teaching me since I was in high school and I became a Christian because there was a lot of nights, pretty much almost every night when I was young, I felt really lonely. I didn't have a mom or a dad that I could go to and just say, wow, I'm feeling really sad or I feel really lonely. And so I pushed it all down. 
and I just tried to function and to do the best I could. Um, also, there's Romans 8, 31 through 38. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, didn't, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Is it God who justifies? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers can separate us from the love of Jesus. I don't know about you, but reading that reminds me that I am holy and dearly loved and helps to quiet any sense of loneliness that I may have. Um, so then it says in Isaiah 41.10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. First Peter 5.7, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When I really go through and read these scriptures that really just help ground me and help me to remember that God loves me so much, that feeling of loneliness that I feel subsides. It quiets down a little bit. There's this saying that I love called quieting the noisy soul. And I think that's a powerful thing. I think many of us want that to happen in our life. So, with loneliness, the way to the antidote to loneliness is connection. And so the first place we can go to connect is to God, to his word. Um, I went to a seminar recently and the, I got a lot of things out of it. But one thing that's really instilled in me was 20 minutes a day for the rest of your life. And so I have tried so hard to spend 20 minutes a day with God every day. I usually try anyway, but I've really been trying to like, and usually it ends up being 30 or 40 minutes or an hour um, if I have time, but it's making a big difference because we're spending time with God and we're allowing him to fulfill us that way. I think sometimes we want God to fill us, but we're really not spending any time with them. And so I always compare like my marriage, which is not anything compared to my relationship with God, like my marriage is very important. It's a covenant that God has given me. Um, but God, I know, is my need meter. But he's also given me my husband. And so if I'm ignoring my husband and I'm not making time for him and I'm not talking to him and I'm not sitting and having coffee with him and I'm always on my phone or I'm always on the phone, like if I'm on my phone looking or I'm on the phone talking or I'm reading a book or I'm even always with the kids, but I'm not making time for our relationship, 
I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to feel complete because there's going to be a void there. Same way with our relationship with God. We have to invest in our relationship with God for it to grow. We can't expect to be like, God, you're not fulfilling me when we're not actually making any time for God. So to connect with God first. The second thing, connect with your supportive family. This is huge. Um, in my family, we try to make sure that our family is a safe place. And we have this conversation often um, because we know, we tell the kids, the world out there is not kind and it is mean and it's not loving and it's not encouraging. So we need to make sure that there is a safe place where we can be loved and encouraged and accepted for who we are. And that's in our home. And so that's our goal. So make sure that your family is supportive. Um, if you don't have supportive family members, trust me, I've been there. Growing up, I didn't have supportive family members, but I found supportive adults in my church who really encouraged me. I had some college-aged people um, that really invested in my life as well. And so I just want to say, like, find some Christian supportive friends in the church Um and just pray for those if you don't have them, because God longs to give you those things. He says that God longs to give you the desires of your heart. Um, desire for connection. Find a counselor. That's what we should be really good at. I say we should be because I know that not all counselors are. But if you don't feel like you're connecting with a, with a counselor, go to the next counselor. Um, meet with a pastor. Students, if you're listening, young people college, try to connect with the teacher. There are these other ways to connect. Um, in Matthew 6.33, it says, seek first the kingdom of God. I love that. That's a powerful verse. Um, so if we look at, I'm going to look it up here and get the full thing. It's Matthew 6.33, and it says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. That's a powerful verse. It just says that if we ask for these things that are God's desire to give us, he will give them to us because he loves us. So finally, I was going to share with you um, that God is our need meter. He's the one who can meet all of our needs. He's the first place to go to deal with your loneliness. And some verses that prove that are Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Matthew 6.8. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all the grace, all grace bound, abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Psalm 23, 1, a psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So there's just so many scriptures that show how God will meet our needs. And so that's something to do, too, is to do a word study. 
into study verses, um, Google verses that show that God meets all of our needs and just start studying those verses. That's really helpful too. So just a small recap. Um, we all experience loneliness. It's universal. And I say sometimes, well, it is. It's so important that we're vulnerable about our weaknesses in the church. Let's not hide the fact that we struggle with loneliness and make people feel like they're somehow crazy because they struggle with this all the time. And the fact is we all, we all stuck, we all struggle with loneliness. Okay. Now there will always be a longing inside of us for heaven. So even if we do all these things perfectly correctly, we get our relationship right with God. We, um, we do the counseling that we need to do to deal with our stuff. God has instilled in each of us a level of longingness that will not be healed and fulfilled until we are in the arms of Jesus, until we are in glory. And at that point, the Bible says that all that when we get to heaven, there will be no more tears and no more pain. And that's when we will be taken into his arms and you will never experience loneliness because we will be with the father who created us. So now quickly, if you are not a believer, this message was focused on believers. And what I want you to do is if you are not a believer, that's the first step. You need to contact a pastor or a solid Christian friend and ask them, how do I accept Christ? Because until then, you will have a gaping, huge emptiness and longing inside of you that nothing else will heal. 